Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym. And what I like to do here on the pod is bring into the studio sexy and fun guests talking about sex and sexuality. Today, I have a, a reoccurring guest of mine, somebody I'm very excited to talk to on my pod because last time I was on hers. So please welcome back to the podcast, sex and pleasure educator, Luna Matadas. Hello! I'm so glad to be back here. Oh my god, so exciting. Last time we spoke in this kind of a forum, it was on the Plug Podcast. <laughs> it was, it was. And we were talking about pegging, which is, is so relevant. <laughs> Isn't it though? Yes. Oh my god, yes. Okay, we got to get this out of the way because this is like a hot topic. This is timely. Before we even get into the plug podcast, your trademarked phrase, peg the patriarchy, was was seen by many eyes recently. (laughs) Many eyes. That's a a lovely way to put it. Yeah, it went global. Like, who knew? (laughs) At the Met Gala. Yes, yes. Someone had... A uh, vest outfit mm-hmm. thing that said mm-hmm. "Peg the Patriarch," uh, "Peg the Patriarch" right, right on the front of it. Very, mm-hmm. very, very similar font to mm-hmm. <laughs> to your your "Peg the Patriarchy," mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. again a trademarked phrase. What happened with this? What because I think people were thinking maybe, oh my God, Luna, what exposure, amazing, blah blah blah. But what really happened? <laughs> yeah, I think that's not what really happened. You didn't collaborate with Dior um, and that actress, and that's not what happened at all. And I love that we're going to call her that actress because she don't need no promo. So. No, no, we're giving you. This is about you. This is not about who stole your shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's so funny, and I can. I'm glad I can. I'm on this podcast, so I can tell you exactly what I was doing right before I found out. I was teaching a cock and ball torture class before the ritual chamber, and, <laughs> and then I got off, and I'm all happy, and like I'm putting away my tools, and I yeah. thought, let me go to Twitter and show some tools, and then I opened up my Twitter and my mentions were just flooded and I I saw the photo from I think I first saw it on the cut and um, yeah people were like oh my god what a cool collab and you know like way to go Luna and I was just like huh (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I felt kind of like first hmm, time here. You know, about like, it. Like, yeah. And it, I was kind of mixed because at first I thought, oh my God. Like, you know, I think as, as small crafters and especially people who are in industries that are, are sex based, like we're always under so much censorship. We can't buy advertising. We can't do things on a bigger scale. Yes. And so we tend to focus on a niche community. And so to be at the Met Gala, I, I thought, okay, this is amazing for the exposure, but damn, it would have been better if I was with it, you know, if I was credited, if we had collaborated, especially because her message was about feminism, like, let's lift each other up, like, queens lift yes. each other up, like, we're not, that's what we should have been doing, and it would have been so easy, I own, yes, you're right, I own the Canadian trademark, I own the domain, I've been selling and branding it since, like, 2015, you know, a simple Google search would have, would have, would have shown me. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't think that there's innocence in it. I think it was just like, oh, we can do this. So let's let's do it, which is a lot of like performative feminism. It's more self-serving and less community serving. Yeah. Um, this this was a white woman, too, which, you know, makes it yes. that much worse, doesn't it? Yes, it really does, because it's like she's not the first time she stole from a BIPOC creator. Someone else had created the future as female and she lifted it and started to use it as a brand. As her own. <laughs> yeah, as her own. As brand. her own. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Great. Good. <laughs> yes. Good, yes. good, good. Yes. But you so got... easy to not be this way. <laughs> very, very easy. As you said, a simple Google search would have revealed. And anybody that is, you know, coming up with any sort of phrase that they want to use for their business or their brand. You know, that's yeah. the first step. That is the first step. Yeah. So, like, this is no Christian excuse. Dior. You can't tell me that nobody Googled it. Like, come on. Yes. And me. the font. The font, you, like you said, the font is, like, almost identical. They removed the star, and it's, like, they stacked it differently. But, yeah, it's the same font. Yeah, totally. So what happened afterwards? Because then you got a bit of coverage. I did. At least locally, I saw. I did. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, there was, it was really great because immediately I felt, you know, I should do something. I need to just kind of say my story. Like I didn't realize how big it would be. And so I put up a post on my Instagram just saying like, we all know where Peg the Patriarchy came from, like, and talking about theft from BIPOC creators and, yeah. you know, how we can support each other as a community. And holy shit, the community showed up for me in waves, just <laughs> waves of support. We love to waves see it love right and yeah and you're right about media i mean all of the media that you would expect to cover kind of uh the met gala stuff this was an interesting angle for them as well right yeah, like let's yeah. talk about like this class issue of like you're stealing from a bipoc small business um and so i was in vice and refinery 29 and jezebel all the places where like this story would reach the type of audience that is like minded to my work anyways so that's Amazing. it's great that this just expanded my community I'm glad to hear that, that at least yeah. th during the fallout <laughs> from this, <laughs> this stupidity, <laughs> that at least you got a bit of press after all surrounding it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because like I said, it's so hard for us to get press and for people to care about the issues that we care about and for her to distort the brand into a kind of like a girl power sort of slogan i mean it's 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 wonderful to have people want to hear what the the actual meaning of peg the patriarchy is yeah actually why don't we why don't we set the record straight about that um maybe talk about the way the origin of this phrase for you and the intentionality behind it versus how it was used um at the yeah Mecca. oh for sure like i think it's there, there's something about our social locations as well. And so, like you said, having it on, you know, white 
cis woman's body who's like of a particular class and power there's a lot of privilege that that is uh, kind of behind her wearing it and the way that she talked about it and you know for me peg the patriarchy has always been rooted in my work about drawing and making clearer connections and support around how you know our sexuality and pleasure and our erotic selves they interact with with the world outside of us they interact with systems of oppression they interact with social justice with equity and um i came up with it at a time where i had just started teaching pleasure-based workshops in uh, feminist sex-positive shops like Good For Her in Toronto. And um, I, I had always taught from a health promotion perspective, a public health perspective. And I was like, people want to know how to do the sex, right? Like, they're like, yeah, yeah, condoms. <laughs> but like, how do we do the sex? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, condoms. Um, <laughs> right? They're like, whatever, you know? And teaching in a place like like Good For Her or like any of these sex-positive shops, I mean, you're, you're allowed to bring in conversations. You're actually encouraged to bring in conversations about the barriers that people have have to their pleasure. So yes. in that environment, I was able to 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 learn a lot more about the ways that patriarchy actually, you know, it's 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 demanding submission of us, it's demanding subjugation, it's demanding hierarchies, gender binaries, heteronormativity, you know, all these things that that are very tangible in the ways that insecurities and violence actually shows up in our, our sexual experiences. Yes. Yeah. So I made this shirt and then <laughs> I went to Pride and <laughs> people were like, oh my God. You know, and so I met so many cool people with this shirt and I thought, huh, like maybe I should, you know, start selling a couple and um, very, very small scale. Like it was literally me going, getting shirts, printing them and packaging them for like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know anything about merchandise or anything. Um, and then it just blew up. It, it like people in the sex positive community, um, people in feminist communities, people have been buying this shirt all over the world um, since 2016, 17. Yeah. I see it everywhere. I see it like amazing. I see people wearing this shirt that I do not know that mm -hmm. are, you know, as far as I not, as far as I know, not in, you know, like sex work circles or sex <laughs> yeah. educator circles, like our, our little incestuous kind of circles. Like as right. far as I know, like these people are, are like far beyond those circles. So yes, I, I, my, one of my favorite things is to see a peg the patriarchy shirt out in the wild. Oh, me too. Love it. Me yes. too. I, I, I love it when people, if I'm wearing it and they ask me and they're like, Oh, like I love that shirt. And I'm like, Oh, I don't even know how to talk about it. I'm so awkward. I'm like, I'm a, the, uh, <laughs> Uh, creator of, of if you google the... it you'll find me <laughs> <laughs> now i'm just gonna be like yeah dior plagiarized it but i made it yes. <laughs> new branding Love new it. branding <laughs> yes so very different from what was presented at the met gala which was what did she say she was basically she didn't really wasn't she like just google it if you don't know it it is. Or yeah, something. she kind of used it as like a, she's like, it's about kind of girl power, stick it to the man. And the reality is it's about subversion. And yes. so we're, we're talking about acting in ways that are subversive to the ways that patriarchy demands us to be. Yeah. And so pegging, you know, as a sexual metaphor, pegging is, pegging is pegging because we had to, Dan Savage and his audience had to come up with a term to mm -hmm. make it sort of permissible or to give like cisgendered heterosexual men who want to receive anal strap-on sex from a 
was this woman, you know, they, they had to come up with something to be able to name it, to claim it. Yeah. And so now we know, you know, pegging is much broader than that. Anybody of any gender can, can peg, but it still is a fantasy that you can play with in, in subversiveness. And so it could be sensual, rough, whatever. But in the, the metaphor of peg the patriarchy, it's very much about, we need to act in like the exact opposite way that patriarchy wants us to. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm obviously well said. I mean, you've been saying it in, on news sources everywhere recently, so it's not a surprise, <laughs> but fuck, well said. Very well said. And Thank like, you. I don't know, I just find it so silly that like her little kind of response, like, oh yeah, if you don't know what it means, then Google it. It's like, well, y- yeah, Googling is the thing that you should have. You, you yeah. Should've. You should have done it. Like, what a moment. You could have just been like, yeah, actually, Luna Matata's created. You can Google her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell them to Google me. Don't tell them to Google it. (laughs) Dumb, dumb. But, okay, talking about pegging, um, (laughs) I had the absolute pleasure of being on your podcast, host of the Plug Podcast, brought to you by the fabulous B-Vibe. Mm. Let's get into it. We did we did an episode on pegging. Um, tell me the other things, because this is a podcast that is exclusively about anal sex <laughs> and anal play of all sorts. Everything about anal. A podcast about anal. I can't even. <laughs> it's, it's delightful. <laughs> I can't so even believe it. So. It's great. It's my dream come true. Me either. Right? Me too. Sometimes I'm like, huh, I'm having my morning coffee and I'm like, today I have to record for an all anal pop. What is my life? (laughs) Could you tell me, like, how did this come about? So Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. First of all, it was so fun to have you on the podcast. Like your oh, episode, you, we... you just bring such amazing wisdom. It was so good. Thank yeah. you. I, it was my absolute pleasure. I've re-listened to it. Actually, I was teaching a class, you know, sometime recently and I was like, I was writing the class and I, I actually spent some time just just listening to that episode and like writing down shit I said <laughs> because like it really it was a good fucking episode I'm very super proud mm-hmm. of that so anybody listening yes. go over to the plug check out the pegging episode with myself and Luna but tell tell yes. me what well, how does this get started Yes. So I had been fangirling B-Vibe for years because their quality of their products is so high they yes. make all these amazing, you know, like they made the world's first rimming butt plug. Like you can get your ass eaten with this plug. It's just like their products are so thoughtful and they brought this more fun kind of perspective to butt plugs. You know, they're in fun colors. They're not just like black or like, you know, have like kind of porn stars on the packaging. There's, there's, it's, it's for real people, real butts. Everybody has a butt. It's kind of their vibe. And they're luxury products. Luxury. It's not just cheap little, you know, kind of unsafe materials and like, yeah, suspect packaging, all this kind of stuff. It's like a luxury vibrating butt plug brand. Yeah, your butt deserves this, right? Be good to the butt. And and so we were in talks about kind of doing education collaboration. And I thought, you know, there was was mutual interest for uh, doing a podcast. And at first we were like, is anyone really going to listen to a podcast all about anal? (laughs) You know, like we think this is a great idea, but like, (laughs) I don't know. So we did season one with uh, six episodes sort of as a pilot. So we talked about pain and pleasure. We talked about analingus, eating ass. We talked about... uh, 
um, booty tools and toys and analgasm, prostate play, and then your pegging one kind of bookended season one. And um, it was such a hit that we're doubling the episodes for season two and we've engaged. I know it's so good. And we have this really cool new feature where we're getting booty tales from our audience. So people are like calling in and leaving me amazing stories about their first time. It's like an anal confessional. I love it. It's so cute. It's so cute. And I think this space to talk about anal pleasure in a way that that normalizes it, that that really says like, yeah, let's get into this. You don't have to just Google this or suffer through pain or, you know, watch porn and, and try and perform in the same way that performers do, that there are real things that real bodies um, or like in, in non-performance settings that are are actually like we just don't know how to manage, you know, like yeah. what does happen if there's shit on your butt plug? You know, what happens if there's pain? What happens if you want to fist? Like, how do you do that so it's conversations for beginner to advanced anal uh sex adventurers yeah oh i love it it's so important so very important because that's yes you know it's a facet of sex like sex just in itself is taboo enough nobody wants to talk about it still yes you know 2021 but like let alone anal sex anal play um is something that's even more taboo than the rest of it so like very important work that you're doing yeah Thank you. And and I'd love to, you know, hear like so many more perspectives on this because I, I think and I don't know, even tell me if you think this is this is a thing or not. But I found that. OK, I'm going to pitch it because <laughs> I feel like so many anal conversations get kind of attached to certain bodies. And so we talk about, you know, cis men, cis het men as the givers of anal. We talk about cis het women as the receivers. We don't ever talk about uh, women who have sex with women or non-binary people uh, about anal at all. Yeah. Um, and then we talk about, you know, sex, uh, anal sex for um, gay cis men. And and so the, the conversations are actually all kind of bleeding in together in the plug and taking out a lot of these divisions that were actually part of heteronormativity and and um, kind of, you know, our sex negativity from patriarchy. So do you think that have you seen the conversations like that, too, like that it's sort of we're, we're talking about these sort of lump stereotypes about certain bodies or certain sexual orientations? Definitely. Yeah. And I love that. Like, for me, it makes sense that since B vibe, which is very like butt sex and anal plays for all genders for everybody. um, I feel like the plug is a the plug podcast is like a really great extension of like their Mm. brand of like, you know, everybody has a butt and everybody can find pleasure from it. And like, let's explore and play and talk about it. And yay. And like, the fact that you're doing the podcast is like such a great kind of sister, you know, branding, um, like a companion to to uh b vibe because it's very much that like looking at your guests like you have carlisle jansen you have dr jess you've got like all these amazing sex educators who are very much into yeah breaking down like the barriers between everything we have learned you know about butt sex um from yeah from patriarchal heteronormative resources and just tearing that all down and talking about it at this really accessible point for people absolutely you know yeah but it doesn't stay at the 101 but you know it it definitely starts there and I think each conversation has started there so I think anybody can kind of jump in on any episode if you like the topic you know and uh, get in that way and then we you get into really deep nuanced conversations not the typical conversations surrounding anal sex that you see out and about you know in the miasma um, you know, pornography and all this kind of stuff. 
not that there isn't some great fantastic anal porn out there because there oh, is oh totally um yeah but you know i i love that it doesn't it's not just staying there it's getting a lot deeper and you know we like it deep we like to go deep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. This season, we're talking about pot and pleasure, porn and pleasure. We have an anal or a, a pelvic floor physiotherapist talking with us about <sighs> anal. We've got a kinky anal one dropping next week. Yes. Um, so before end of September, that one's really cool, too. And that one has some booty tails. So you get to have a be a fly on the wall for people's kinky anal. <laughs> It's great. I love that. And since you mentioned like Dan too. Savage, you know, coin, coining the term pegging, like that yeah. feels very Dan Savage, doesn't it? To have like a caller, you know, an anonymous caller call in and like be like, help me, you know, and then, and then you like. And then all of a sudden, yeah. Oh, I just love that. That's a really great. Me I, too. I think next step for it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Me too. What are you most excited about, like, getting out of this second season going forward? What are your, like, you know, your hopes and dreams for the second season of it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really want to help people feel more confident in their anal exploration. And so a lot of times the, the barriers to anal are around, am I going to shit the bed? Is it going to hurt? You know, am I going to be able to like take it? And, and there's all of these like random, you know, goal settings, like shit free anal and like, you know, but it's a, butt, right. It has a shitty day job. It's, it's what it does. We got to find ways to like manage it. And, um, I think by, by broadening the conversation around anal and making it not make it, making anal conversations not so anal like we're not just focusing <laughs> on the butthole we're focusing on the body right you are an experience you're a person that comes in with um, all kinds of things into the space that that might hinder you or support you and so some of the topics that um, we're also going to be talking about address like um, you know talking about anal sex in sex ed like should we be talking about it more explicitly in our sex ed conversations would that help us queer the conversation would that help us you know stop relying on heteronormative assumptions around sex education for young people and also stop all those people that are sent to the er with um yes things they're putting household found objects that they're putting in their butts that don't have any sort of a flared base right you know all that can be prevented (laughs) get a butt plug you know (laughs) buy a freaking butt plug Luna, let me tell you, after, you know, the whole COVID year and a half of me doing online sessions where I don't get to play with all my fancy tools and equipment and implements, I have to, I have to make do with what they have on the other side of the screen. And let me tell you, they often don't have much. And Uh. (laughs) like, I'm surprised if they actually have like a butt plug or a dildo. It's really eye opening how many people are quite reckless with their anal health quite honestly yep and like as a sex educator who does sex work like oh my god it's a conversation Mm. (laughs) it is a big conversation because that's a hard limit of mine that you know I won't put I won't allow you in my presence under my care to put something that doesn't have a flared base into your butt I cannot I will not (laughs) you know so like that's a big conversation that we have to have first that probably most people don't have to have with their online dominatrices. I'm I'm gonna imagine. <laughs> 
Oh, that is such a, yeah, that's totally something I never thought about. And it's amazing that you're surprised when I am. they do have something. Someone has yeah. a butt plug. I'm like ready to give you a fucking standing ovation. Like <laughs> the bar is so low. So low. Like so low. you and I are in these kind of sex positive, sex education, sex work circles, right? Where like, yes. We're, you know, we we kind of know the basics of anal sex. Like, don't put anything in your butt that you can't get out very easily. Um, yes. But, oh boy, is that not the same? Like, people still just do not know or do not care, you know, or, or just don't, haven't realized really how unsafe that can potentially be. And during COVID, yeah. like, you don't want to be going to an ER with something stuck in your butt during COVID. You do not. Come on. You do not. Yeah. Get it together. Oh. Yeah. No, it's so true. I think, uh, yeah, I can't walk around my house without tripping over a butt plug. But, like, right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's part of our goal is to be like, this is, you know, I think there, some people may still have the same stigma around other kinds of sex toys, but there is a unique stigma around anal sex toys because of Very. hygiene, because of, like, connections to homophobia, because of internalized and externalized. Like, there's there's something that, that's, you know, very unique to shame around butt plugs and butt toys. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the work that, uh, like, I mean, the plug's doing and B-Vibe's doing is where, you know, kind of that, that showing that that shame actually, like you're saying, like, it's it's dangerous. It, it actually puts your, your body in danger. And so we talk a lot about things like anal training, where you need different sizes of butt plugs mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. help your body get adjust to, or help your butt adjust to penetration. And most people are like, I'm gonna get the biggest one and try and shove it up there, you know, which I, I respect. I respect your eyes are bigger <laughs> than your butthole, but, you know, let's not break anything. <laughs> yeah, let's not break our toys. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Yeah, um, no, but you were just, um, I just cut you off. You were about to say okay. something else that you had on the second season. Did you say a nutritionist? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my, I, I got to this. chat. Yes, I got to chat with the uh, naked nutritionist, and um, that episode's going to be so amazing. He's like, he, he has a podcast as well, which is so awesome, and it's very queer and, and very inclusive. And uh, yeah, I think this is a big question about, you know, should I just not eat all day yep, yep. when <laughs> when I'm going to have anal, or you know, and 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 so it's it's cool to like bust those myths that are around there. Like, do you need to starve yourself the day of anal? You know, do you need to avoid certain foods? Like, what do you do for your longer term diet changes? if you want a cleaner colon mm -hmm. very interesting stuff and very like I feel like um you know even in my pegging class that was something that for sure came up you know mm -hmm. what what can I eat what should I eat um yes which is you know I think maybe not a total 101 question but I think that's the next thing that people think they're like okay, I know what a douche is and, you know, yes. I have some toys and, you know, I've talked, had the conversation surrounding, you know, what if some poop happens and uh, we've had the conversation surrounding pain, you know, and pleasure. Yes. I think then, then the next thing is like, okay, my eating schedule, <laughs> like it is something yeah. people genuinely consider. That's the next kind of thought of like, okay, if I'm going to really get into this and really take a pounding, um, is that something I need to be thinking about? Yes, yes. I mean, I think, and even, I don't know, maybe people think about it during other types of sex too, because I definitely do. I, 
I think, okay, if I want to get my pussy eaten today, I'm not going to eat bacon because I'm going to taste like bacon pussy because that has happened. And (laughs) that sounds lovely. I don't know. To me, that that sounds lovely. I thought it was. (laughs) I sat on someone's face and I had eaten bacon earlier and then I went to kiss them. And then they, I was like, hey, did you have bacon today? And they're like, no, but you were a little bit like, and I was like, oh my God, I had bacon. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. That is puts in a whole new meaning to eating out. I mean, doesn't right? it? <laughs> I brought bacon for you. I okay. know. <laughs> like, you're welcome. Exactly. You better think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I love was your that, bonus though. bacon for the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's totally right. Like, I think that is a lovely conversation to kind of extend into other types of play as well, because like. Um, as you said, that's, you, you know, you don't want a big heavy thing on your stomach if you're getting fucked with any of the things, figures, yes. twice, you know, a yes. dick, whatever, in any of your holes, like, you yes, know, you don't want yes. a big, a big heavy stomach there. So I love that you focused on that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's so cool to get to kind of bring in all these angles where people are learning about anal sex, but really we're learning about sex in a way that allows you to kind of think about how you can improve the pleasure in other things that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, uh, you just said this kind of briefly a little while back about mm-hmm. like a lot of the conversations that do have surrounding anal play and anal sex are like very butthole specific, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like we're not even talking about the rest of the body when you're having anal play or anal sex or analingus or any of these things or pegging or strap and play, blah, blah, blah. Like we're not even. Yes. Why is nobody else talking about what the rest of the body is doing? Because that's like <laughs> very, that's very important. What, like, <laughs> let's try to talk about anal sex in a way that kind of incorporates this whole experience, like like other types of sex that we have yes. does, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I think, I, I, yeah, I definitely think that's a gap in the conversation. And I think even on an interpersonal level, when couples try to talk about anal sex or they start having anal sex, like they're like hyper-focused on the booty. Yeah. And yeah, meanwhile, yeah. you know, your person's body has breath, it has not it has erogenous zones that are underserviced it has their other favorite go-to hot spots and as the giver it's also kind of intimidating right like we don't want to hurt our partner we're thinking yep. are we doing it right and so we it's easy to forget about the rest of the body yes and not only the body but the brain the emotions the brain. you know Oof. like a lot of us so that um, we can feel very relaxed, which is very important during anal sex particularly, but like what a lot of us need is like this whole kind of mood, you know, surrounding whether it be like a power dynamic that's in play or dirty talk that is happening or some sort mm. of like visualizing and fantasizing uh, to be happening at the same time that the sex is happening. So it's just interesting that the time that you would want those things present the most probably and all the physical things you mentioned too like you know maybe she uses a vibrator all the time during sex it's like well Mm -hmm. keep that vibrator there too you know and that it's kind of funny that when we think about anal sex it's like just so hyper focused on all of these things uh that all of these other usual things we would include in sex would just help it go so much smoother and easier that's when we choose to throw them out yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you're so right you're so right yes Because the last thing, you know, you, the last thing we want to do is trying to have anal sex when we're nervous, anxious, tense Mm -hmm. about it. 
you know, when there's like a time limit, we're like looking at the clock, we're on like fresh sheets, like all of these things that can contribute. Then maybe there's a roommate in the, in the room, um, not in the room, but they could be in the room, uh, depending how close you are with your roommates. Um, Yeah. If you got bunk beds. Yep. (laughs) That'd be a fun (laughs) scene right there. I can picture all sorts of fun things, but yeah, just all of these factors that can contribute to having a, you know, a more quote unquote successful anal sex experience. We kind of are kind of skip all that with anal sex for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's, it's really hard to talk about sex. And Mm. if, if people are listening and they're like, Oh my God, I can't do that. You know, I think everyone feels that way. I feel that way sometimes too. Like it's Mm -hmm. even, and it's about building those skills. It's not natural that some people are easier, have an easier time to to talk. It's like, we all had to learn, unlearn sex negativity and relearn uh, sex positivity, which includes things like talking about our boundaries and desires and the ways we want things. And And I think the biggest misconception, risk management. yeah, Yeah. I think the biggest like myth that I like to bust is that, you know, oftentimes in mainstream porn, it just looks like, you know, lick, lick, poke, poke, and then you shove a penis into a dry asshole. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I think like, (laughs) right? Like, isn't that, that's pretty common. Um, And the reality is, is that I think people aren't doing enough external anal foreplay and that external anal stimulation can be anal sex. Like you don't have to penetrate someone to have a really great anal pleasure experience. Definitely. I love that. Yeah, I think that's for myself and just like my personal relationship with anal sex. I think that's when when I finally made that connection that the end game doesn't have to be a penis in my butt. Um, Mm -hmm. When I realized that, then I started to really be able to enjoy it and relax and find the pleasure in it and really pay attention, put the focus on what feels pleasurable rather than this goal, you know. Yes. Yeah. I yes. think that's for me, that was a game changer as far as how mm. I viewed and how I experienced and like lived anal play. Yeah. Like you were talking about um, donuts before, before we started. And one of my favorite <laughs> things <laughs> is to call ass eating, like eating it like a donut hole. Oh, and yeah, so I'll baby. say, I'll be like, mm, can I eat your little donut hole? And, and it's like, <laughs> it's so it's so great to get more playful and, and to not feel like you, anal has to be this like very sophisticated, very high level, stressful. you know, very demanding, stressful thing. Yeah. Like, you know, do what feels good. There's so many nerve endings on the outside. So like play with those, you know, play with someone's prostate externally, just using the perineum. Like there's lots of ways once we understand anal anatomy and pleasure anatomy that can actually work in our favor. Amazing. Yes. Great note to end on. We're going to launch into a break. I'm looking at my donut and I want to have another bite. So we're going to take a really quick break and then we'll be right back with Luna Matadas talking about another fantastic project that you have been working on. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Comeasyouare.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at comeasyouare.com. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bedpost Podcast. Of course, I'm here with the lovely pleasure and sex educator, Luna Matadas. Hey. Hello. Happy hello. to be here. Hey, happy to be here in the second <laughs> half. We're going to talk about this other amazing project you've been working on for, what, about a year, I want to say? Yeah, yeah. This, uh, the it started maybe September 2020. Yeah. Nice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's oh our God, anniversary. Oh, my God. You have to have a party. Um, yes. <laughs> and this, of course, is the discussion series Race and Kink. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about this because yes, it's, it's such a right. It's such a cool and important um, discussion that we should be having in and outside of the kink community. And um, so Marla Renee Stewart, another amazing sex educator uh, from Atlanta and in Florida right now, is, um, you know, we, we were kind of irritated, actually. We, we <laughs> everything was happening around. Just kind of? <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little, little. Uh, I love when things are born out of a, a rage rant, you know, because it's like that <laughs> yeah. creative manifestation. We're like, well, we're angry. Let's do this. And um, we had gone, you know, I think a lot of conversations were happening around BLM and the visibility of, of protests and civil rights and uh, racism. And so in, in kink spaces, you know, like FetLife, right? FetLife, um, it, it's, it's actually, I experienced it as a pretty racist place. Yeah. And um, the, the when I opened up my browser or, for, or when I opened up my account for FetLife, I just saw so many people complaining about how, you know, we shouldn't be talking about these things on FetLife. Like it's everywhere in the news and this is a special place. And, you know, like the, we want to separate our kink and talking about racism. And I was like, good for you. Like I can I know what color you are. Like you can separate yeah. yourself from this stuff because it doesn't affect you on a day to day basis. What privilege. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I got really angry. And so I wrote a, a blog post about how our sexual liberation is, is connected. And you can see um, sexual liberation connected to social justice. And you can't separate those things. And when we look at, you know, even just the way FetLife is set up, like kinky and popular, it's always the same bodies in yes. the same dynamics, right? It's always like white, submissive, young, thin women. And, um, you know, we, we don't we don't ever question that and how it's actually showing up in other ways. So our venues, our dungeons, our festivals, our, you know, parties, our spaces that, that are kinky, retailers, all these kinds of things interpersonal play yeah. um, and so we started this discussion series to really talk about how racism can show up in those different spaces and what that looks like and our intention was really just to create a space for the conversation and so it's very centered around our guests coming on who are um, BIPOC people within the kink community or leaders in the kink community from all different aspects so the leather world or rope world or dominance or sex work like there's so many different um, cool guests that we've had and they share their professional kinds of thoughts, but they also share all the racist shit that has happened to them and how they make decisions to keep themselves emotionally and physically safe within the, the racist kind of dynamics and spaces that we're in. So needed. So necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and can you tell me like some of the 
Maybe let's say like some of your most meaningful, impactful talks that you've had. Do you have, when I say that, does anything kind of stick out to you? Yes, absolutely. I think um, recently we had our our last guest was uh, Preston, who is a... I can't, I'm going to get the title wrong because I don't know the rubber world that well, but an, an international man of, of rubber type of title. Okay. And um, he he really spoke to the dynamics around being Asian in, in this sort of rubber space and, and being a, a gay cis man in, in these rubber spaces as well. And, you know, we know that, that the a lot of the kink communities that have... Uh, kind of like been born from from the gay men's leather movement, right? And so they they had started to to build community around kink and to to build like solidarity around it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a lot of our spaces still operate with you know kind of that that perspective or from that perspective. And so it's not necessarily inclusive of all the people that that actually enjoy kink. And Preston really talked about these overt like overt racist things that that had happened to him. And, you know, I think a lot of us experience racism in um, less overt ways. And so people making assumptions about us or fetishizing us or objectifying us for our race or wanting to engage in race play non-consensually. And um, yeah, it was really powerful. Just to, he was very open about the things that, that people have said to him. And I think we like to pretend as a community that because we're sexually open, that somehow that means we're also social justice minded or like, and that's not true that we, we have to work at that. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that. um, I mean, myself as an events producer who is always very minded to get an actual diverse cast. um, Yeah. And like, like you really have to convince me if you're a cis white male, you really have to like give Mm -hmm. me a really good pitch on whatever, you know, your set is going to be to get um, on my stage. (laughs) Like, and I, and I feel like the, the standards for most people, perhaps you know running running shows events parties um you know that might not be one of their priorities um yes perhaps is there i don't know how this is probably a much larger conversation than we can accomplish just in a few minutes but are you able to give um events producers um surrounding you know the sex positivity sex worker sphere kink sphere what are some things that we need to be thinking about when we create an event to make sure that it is a hundred percent inclusive? Mm, in yeah. Space? Like I think what you just, that's such an awesome question. Cause that's come up a lot in the series too. People always want to know, like do BIPOC people just need to create their own spaces? Like, yeah. you know, how do we get people to kind of listen to what would be a safer space? And um, I think what you said you're doing is, is one thing that it's really assuming that yeah, cis white males, like you, you already, it's already set up for you to, to thrive and, and to get spaces in, in um, you know, kind of shows or, dungeons or whatever and so erring on the side of that inclusion is about you know bringing other people in it it's it it is really around that because sometimes the conversation gets centered of inclusion of also being like well like you know cis white males can also have yes of course they can but this conversation is about right like they have they can have the door everywhere everywhere and even in in the way that we're socialized you know cis white males take up space really differently than other people so the fact that you're you're being intentional about seeking out a more diverse cast 
podcast is is absolutely one of the things that our guests have said. Another thing is that, you know, it's not enough to just put some beige people on your promo, right? Like you can't just use like <laughs> like One it's great to see more a person of color. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and if you if you go right now on any fetish account on Instagram or any like kink fest or whatever or any kink retailer like everybody's going to look the same and there's going to be a sprinkling of beige you know kind of black people or, or BIPOC people right yeah um and so you know really seeking out you know, deeper more meaningful changes is in the long run going to help you build a relationship with a community and so they have to know that it's going to be safe for them to go there that's what a lot of our guests said it's like well if I don't know that this person has a this group has a diversity policy like what's going to happen in this space you know have they explicitly said this space is you know a space that centers people of color or that it's you know intolerant of racism and here's what we're going to do if it happens right so having that accountability already set up is so important um and yeah. I think the other thing is is like just like listening to people of color. Like I I I think you know our our space at Racing Kink is open to everybody. We have one BIPOC only session every few months, um, but we we really need non BIPOC people. We need white people to show up and just listen. That's all. Like just yeah. like really yeah. hear it from a different perspective, and you know because a lot of the things are are very simple. Like I stopped going to kink events because the music isn't what I like to listen to. I don't want to hear you know types of music in the, the exact same way in in every kink space like it's always industrial it's always you know something that that I don't want to listen to and um you know like really thinking about okay so are you just kind of making something and then telling BIPOC people to come to it or are you trying to co-create with the community without burdening them with responsibility for your accountability teaching you yes yes Mm -hmm. yes so pay people build it into your budget it's like kink spaces and kink events have been the worst for me over COVID um because people don't want to pay us what what we're worth and there's sort of this this kind of discussion around accessibility which is a good one but it's also around like we have to honor the labor of people coming into our spaces to give us skills in the same way we honor a really good quality flogger right like we're, we're paying for for quality yes yeah definitely i mean yeah for me like just in the sex uh, worker sphere, you know, that's, that's mm. something that I learned very easily that like, you know, right away, once you have like some sort of kind of platform, people are trying to pick your brain about oh my God. lots of things, a myriad of things, right? So very early on, it was like, okay, consulting rate, here it is. Yeah, I would love Ooh, to do smart. that. You know, I would love to do that for you and hit them immediately back with right. You know what? Most, ti- most times so it goes, goes right out of that conversation. But you know, a lot of times that that they also bite on it, and they're like, "Oh, of course." I'm so sorry I phrased that question in a way mm. that wasn't like you know under the assumption that I am approaching you as a professional with which you know I'm paying whatever rate it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny the response when you assert yourself that way, and then people are like, "Oh yeah, that, sorry, <laughs> just ignore that. Pick your brain, DM. Um, yeah, I should have asked you your rate. <laughs> that should have been in right. my opening message. You know, I'm looking at hiring you as a consultant for whatever the hell. You know, very important. yes, yeah." Yes, yes, that's so true. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're doing that right away. I think more of us need to to do that. And there is something about giving back to your community, but yeah. asking for for volunteer labor when it's like this is your livelihood and it's always it's already hard enough enough for us to do this. And so we don't we I we want to thrive, right? Like I want to be able to like buy 
kitten toys for my cat. I don't know. <laughs> thrive. That's my level of Definition thriving. of thriving, yeah. yes. Yeah. But it's important, yeah, to, like, you know, I have accessible price points for other sex workers. Like, that's a whole other story yes. right there. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Like, but but it's, it's still consulting, right? But, you know, it's much, much lower. It's, like, more of a yes. pay, pay what you can scenario. Um, yes. But, yeah. But um, very important to do that. So um, as far as, like, events and stuff like that, can you tell me the process that you personally go through before you um, say somebody say somebody reaches out to you and it was like hey would you like to be a part of this event or like partner collab in some way can you tell me the process that you go through personally before you just say yes jump on board take the gig with any company with any event space with any you know other worker yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, I tend to do a little bit of, of research first. So I want to see, you know, am I the first like BIPOC person they're like, <laughs> they're, like yeah. bringing on to do something, right? I want to see like, is this, are you just looking to kind of sprinkle, you know, stuff in between or you're looking for like a fundamentally inclusive shift in the way that you do things by centering more BIPOC voices. Um, and sometimes I ask, I ask like, oh, like, am I the first person or like, you know, what, what kind of made you decide for me and whether they're explicit or not in their intention, I actually respect it when they're more explicit They, you know, if we've looked at our lineup and we realize we only have all white people, I'm like, cool. Like that's self-reflective, right? Like right. that's humbling. Um, so I think that that also is is really powerful. Like, are they already making moves to be uh, a better ally? Um, I think another thing that that I look at is, well, what about their 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 platform or their audience? Like, is is this something that is is actually going to be unsafe for me? Because if they're not doing that work, and and I come to talk about things, even if it's not specific to race and kink, but all of my my work is it brings in anti racism, it brings in you know misogyny, it brings in anti homophobia all these kinds of things. So I want to be able to have conversations that are rooted in in my experiences and the experiences of, of people who get marginalized. Um, and I also think about, like, is this is this going to cause me emotional stress? Yes. Right? <laughs> like, because if I get on and try and have a conversation and someone does the the typical what about is, um, I had a really difficult conversation recently on a podcast about um, toxic masculinity, and I just felt the conversation was so derailed. And mm-hmm. um, and, and that that feels uncomfortable as, as someone who's a guest, because you're you know, you're, you're kind of engaging in, in their platform, but it's, um, yeah, the the derailing never feels good. It, It takes you on this like spindly thing away from, from what you're trying to talk about. So, um, you know, sometimes that, that's something I, I consider too, you know, I trust you, I trust the bed post podcast. And so it feels great to come on here. I'm excited to, yeah. to come on here and, and to do anything with you really. Um, but yeah, those Likewise. are the things that I kind of consider. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> no, no, thank you. Um, no, cause that's important because I, I feel like, uh, a lot of people that create, you know, even if it's a podcast, for instance, like they'll create sure. something, right. And and they'll just, I don't know, they think they're already being inclusive. They think they are inclusive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, oh, girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you're doing like it might be they're doing the bare minimum. They're doing like bare the minimum. absolute lowest bar of a baseline um, as far yes. as, you know, you could be doing so much more, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. And, pe- and people just don't know what, you know 
I'm sure they would know if they got, once again, Google it, Um, you know. Google it. Yeah. Invest some time. Like, show up to Racing Kink. Like, there you go. Yes. Understanding. It's like a fundamental shift in what you're doing. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to do this this one little dabble here and then check mark, you know, that box. It's like, no, this is an ongoing practice of unlearning white supremacy, uh, unlearning homophobia, unlearning patriarchy. Yes. 100%. Is there, um, I want to ask you more about race and kink. Is there something that came up that even surprised you that that was surprising to you to hear? Does anything come to mind? Yes. I actually thought our guests, like we get asked a lot about race play. Yeah. And um, I thought at least like some of our guests would, would kind of say, oh yeah, well you can do it under this or here's how you do it safely. And like, um, I'd say like 90 five percent of our guests are they don't do race play personally and they don't teach it and um so that also tells you like the context within which we're in because sometimes it's it it's okay or it feels safer to play with darkness it feels you know actually a, a way of processing things through our eroticism but i mean we're in a really raw time for yes. for racism so i can understand you know how that heightens some people's darkness and and desires but for other people it it's it's very it's just too painful it's too raw um we had someone madam posh come on she teaches a race play class that i took and um she talked about it in in a perspective that was about consent right it's your it's your fantasies all fantasies are are kind of fucked up in a way yeah and so you know i mean i she gave the comparison of um like like uh male dominance and and female submissives and she kind of said this is this is a representation of actually the power dynamic that exists in the world so you are fucking with dominance and and submission in a way that is connected to to oppression outside of the safe space that you created um so that really surprised me because I, I didn't realize how, first of all, I didn't realize how many people were, would ask about it. And then I didn't realize like how many, pe- how many people had just, you know, been like, no, like this is too, this is too raw. Oof, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I recently had a request, like I'm talking yesterday that somebody oh. literally put on the form, um, to book me a ritual chamber. Um, uh-huh. I noticed the lady Pim's birthday is shared with Donald Trump, which is true. Um, I want to book her for a session where she will dress up as a MAGA supporter. Yeah. And it was sent to me to be like, what do you feel about this? I'm like, hard no is how I feel about it. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? I just discovered a new limit of mine. Like, I know. (laughs) Like, like, thank you to that person who just allowed me to find out something about myself. Um, Yes. I will never. (laughs) I would never. Wow. The hardest of no's. Please and thank you. Let the gentleman know. Like, yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. I was like, I can't even imagine. I can't. No. Like, just, I don't even want to be thinking about what that could be. What yes. they could be interested in doing. I don't even want to exactly. fathom it. I, I can't even. No. No. Ooh. I'm glad that you, yeah, that, that opportunity came for you to be like, oh, okay, add this to the no, to nope the list. Like, no yeah. pile. Like, yeah, exactly. obviously, race play is already a no, but like, that was like a nuanced kind of way of probably asking yes. for race play that wasn't overtly asking for it, you know? And yes. I was like, yes. ooh, okay, that's pretty sneaky. Okay, right. got my eyes on that now going forward. But, yes. Oh my God. Yes. 
Is no, there... good for you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I guess. Um, <laughs> is well. there, um, to end on, like, to end on, you know, maybe a different note um, for your yeah. Racing Kink series, is there something that came up that was a completely maybe empowering moment for you that you can recall yeah. offhand? Yes. I think when we started this, I mean, obviously the first session was like really big because people weren't talking about race and kink in this way. And, you know, Marla and I are also two femmes of color. And so a lot of times we see, you know, kinds of conversations around kink. We're seeing more and more, I think, women and, and non-binary people in general having more conversations. But for a long time, you know, it was dominated by cis white men who were largely dominant. And um, so it's been really cool to you know, kind of meld our, our identities and our perspectives into this way. And because it, it definitely brings an intersectional perspective into the way we facilitate the space and, and just what the space looks like. And so what's been really beautiful is just seeing how people really just want to be heard, right? They want to be witnessed. They don't want to be asked to explain, well, do you think that someone meant it a different way? Uh, or, you know, you can just go to the party and like everyone there is really nice. You know, no. that's like, that's like all that we deal with all the time and making it that we're changing, you know, we, we have to change our perspective on our own safety. And so I think it's been really cool to, to have a space where people can just tell it like it is like our, our, <laughs> most of our guests like don't mix their word or mince their words. They're just sort of, and it's nice to name it. It's nice to be like, yeah, that microaggression, yes. assuming that I was doing this or assuming this, that is a thing. And like, it's not, it's not just about walking in and calling people like degrading names. It's, it's all about the ways in which we've learned to see certain bodies. And now we, we kind of, we have to process that if we're going to do kink, if we're any kind of kink. Yeah. Reorienting, just undoing like that toxic yes. um, script. Yes surrounding. Yeah. And if you're yeah. into consent, then you have to do this work because you may be bringing power dynamics or, um, you know, harm into a space that you're unaware of. And so you have to know how your, your whiteness or your, um, you know, kind of like white privilege, like comes and interacts in the space. And, and just be mindful of that, like building that into your, I'm aware of that as a dom. I'm aware of that as, okay, well, I'm coming in in this really confident, sex-positive way. I know how to talk about boundaries, you know, and then this person, I have to also consider that I need to create permission for them to make it safe for them to talk about what they need. Yes, exactly. Yeah, for myself as dominant mm. as well. I'm like, my number one job yeah. is to create a safe space so that mm. you can be vulnerable. So what do we yes. need to do to support you surrounding that? What, is, what are yes. the skills I need to know? You know, what what do I need to know about the subversive nature of like the, you know, whatever kink that we're engaging in? Like, because yes. as you said, all of kink is kind of a little fucked up. That's kind of the fun of right? it. It's all taboo, <laughs> right? So all of this can be potentially harmful, you know, or dangerous mm. if we don't um, approach it in a really mindful, intentional way. And we don't do mm -hmm. our fucking homework surrounding it. Yes. You know? You nailed it. Yeah. Just yeah. doing that work. It's it's continuous. You know, it's not taking one class on yeah. how not to be racist. Like, it's like, it's, yeah, it's really like. <laughs> Do you offer that? <laughs> I could send some people your way. Um... <laughs> Is that, will yeah. I find send that on linomatonis.com? Mega okay. person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Christ. don't send me the mega person. No, I won't send them anywhere. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. 
No. I don't Hopefully want Hopefully he stays in his hole. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just stay there. Yeah. Hope you have snacks. Yeah. Don't come out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. We should be wrapping up. Time just flies with you, Luna. I swear to God. Um, totally tell us does. again where we can find the Plug Podcast, where we can find Race and Kink, and of course we where we can find all of the other lovely sex education, pleasure-based education from a you, Luna. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for the the plug podcast by B Vibe, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Um, it's also all over my Instagram if if you go there. And the plug by B Vibe has an Instagram account um, as well, where we're doing some fun things. And then Racing Kink, you can actually the best place to find that is my, uh, or else I'm gonna have to give you a tiny URL. So our the best place <laughs> to find that is is on my um, on my Instagram as well. We've got sessions coming up in September. October, November, and then we're taking December off. Mm-hmm. And um, and then me. So I'm teaching over like <laughs> 30 you. webinars, right? Like, yay me. I have like 30 on-demand webinars on my website at lunamatadas.com. It's like Hakuna Matadas, but Luna Matadas. Um, and, and what's great is like that space is continually evolving. So people ask me for different classes and I do my, my research and homework and, and prepare. So I love hearing what people want to see or take. Love it. You are so busy. Congratulations with all this, Thank this you. surplus of work. Yeah, it's been so good. Okay, yeah. people, you should know where to find me by now. I'm at the Pim one on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. But if you must, I'm at on Instagram at the Bedpost Podcast and at the Lady Pim. We have a Patreon, the Bedpost Show. We have a YouTube, the Bedpost Show, where actually in one of the recent episodes of Bedpost Product Reviews, we reviewed a B-Vibe butt plug. So go check it out. And last but not least, I always like to thank the lovely lady who does the original music for my pod. That is Stephanie Copeland, and you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com last but not least Luna Matadas another lovely conversation with you I'm just so thankful for you thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today oh thank you for having me back yeah it was such a great conversation you're amazing and I love everything you do oh you're amazing and I will literally have you back anytime I'll drop everything Yay. I'll clear my schedule okay. <laughs> just have you back right. on the podcast see everyone yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time yeah you're the new host of the Bedpost <laughs> podcast enjoy um, everyone I hope you've enjoyed this episode I hope you enjoy the rest of this podcast that is now hosted by Luna Matata. Get fucked, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.